Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Bobby, we are now officially in week five of Republicans melting down over the All-Star game, getting pulled oh, from Atlanta. Oh, man, we got to erase the whiteboard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zero it has days been zero since days. last Republican <laughs> meltdown over the All-Star game? Uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of the great state of California representing yes. it very well. He does I love, a very good, very good job. I love California Republicans. Uh, special went friend. <laughs> went to uh, went to a restaurant in, in Marietta, Georgia with a couple of his of his colleagues to uh, lambast Major League Baseball for their decision. Uh, saying these are real life effects of people making poor decisions that has hurt this community as a whole. One of these days, they're going to convince me, right? If they keep going out there and saying the same thing over and over, I think one day they will uh, they will get me on board. Uh, you want to know what the uh, the owner of the restaurant said about yeah. the, the whole scenario? I'd love to. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking forward to hosting that beautiful event. Nevertheless, it didn't happen. And we need to move on. We're all hopefully trying to the find Braves the guy keep who winning, did And this. hopefully we have some playoff games. <laughs> I can't get behind that last part of that. I love uh, restaurant yeah. owners. I support small business owners. You know, you and me, we're small business owners over here. Right, right, right. But the Braves winning more games than making the playoffs can can absolutely not yeah, support that. The, Sorry to that restaurant that. owner in Marietta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know what? I he's he's out there. He's out there grinding. His employees are grinding. Yeah, um, slinging slinging fried eggs and French toast to. Kevin McCarthy, who probably doesn't even know the man exists. What do you think so, Kevin McCarthy's um, breakfast order is? Uh, it's absolutely like a couple strips of bacon, a couple sausages. Yeah, like a, a meat lover's toast. plate. To yeah, like, prove like, something. like meat, meat and carbs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly no, like no side salad or anything like that. No. No, no like greens in his eggs. What is your... Um, what is your like go-to breakfast order? Like when you go to a diner, you're like, I'm getting breakfast. You know, like a cheap, less than ten dollar breakfast. Not like a brunch situation, but like a right. breakfast. Yeah. Simple order from a diner. It's, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty straightforward, man. I got yeah. I got a couple scrambled eggs and some bacon and some toast and gotta have those hash browns, obviously. Yes. Yeah. That's the standard American male right there. That is that is it, baby. That's <laughs> baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and a couple of eggs and a piece of bacon. <laughs> oh, this is um, this is a McCarthyism in 2021. This uh, really is, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have a lot to get to. Uh, minor league baseball season started this this week. Um, Albert Pujols was DFA'd by the Los Angeles Angels. We're going to do a couple of calls. We're of course going to do three up, three down. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wag. I'm Alex Basley. You are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, minor league baseball is back. It's that been it is. it's been 
a while without it. And I got to say, I've missed it quite a bit. I've missed the option of being able to go to a minor league baseball game. I know you have a lot of good minor league options in New York there. Um, I have a decent amount of minor league options that I've never gotten the chance to explore here in the greater Los Angeles area. Um, It's obviously been so long because they did not do the minor league baseball season last year for the pandemic. But uh, it's so great to see it back in action. Yeah, I I agree. Seeing my timeline filled with like poorly filmed highlights in poorly lit stadiums from minor league games. I it sounds sarcastic when I say that, but like I genuinely have really appreciated that it's like no frills. I don't have to listen to some jabroni announcer. Like it's just it's just kids out there, you know, playing playing for the love of the game, right? No uh no money, you know, no wages. No, no institutional support, just, just skills and vibes. And that's, you know, how the game it should be played, obviously. Exactly. So speaking of all of those things that they don't get, um, obviously, if you're a, you know, a longtime follower of Tipping Pitches, a longtime listener, um, or even if you're new and you just popped on this week, if you've been following on Twitter, we relaunched our storefront um, of merchandise where we sell our Unionize the Miners shirts uh, and donate those profits to more than baseball, which is an organization, you know, we've had Jeremy on the show before, we've been on their podcast. It's an organization that provides some of those things that Alex just joked about that minor leaguers don't get. Um, They provide stipends for housing and equipment and um, travel and all of those things. So I was really glad that we were able to launch that storefront. Um, Alex and I have been at work at getting these shirts back up and running. Um, we had taken had to, them down. I had, had to learn a lot about tax law. Uh, <laughs> more than I probably would have expected to have known in 2021. Yeah, I read about like 100 articles. None of them were helpful. Um, no, we we had taken them down. We had previously had them up last year around this time. Um, if you're a new listener, we had, we had put out these shirts and we were donating the profits to more than baseball. And we were just using like one of those generic websites like Teespring or whatever. And, you know, a lot of times when you use those like fast services, it's not produced in the most sustainable way. And we decided that we wanted to take the store down and take a little bit more control over our production process. So we're, we partnered with a, you know, a merchandise production company that uses union labor and printing and all of the, the goods are made in the USA. So we feel a little better about our ability to say that they are made more equitably and also eco-friendly. Um, and then also still be able to donate the profits from those unionized minor shirts to more than baseball and put them towards that same cause that we still felt compelled to make the shirts for last year around this time when we had found out that there was going to be no minor league season. And because of that, these major league owners were not going to pay the minor leaguers at all, even the starvation wages that they usually pay them during the season when they are playing. Yeah, I mean, we have been extremely uh, heartened by the reception that the that the shirts have received um you know we already have uh you know we're not gonna maybe not open the books here on the pod but we've already raised a few thousand dollars wow for, oh for more so you than want baseball. the owners to open the books but you don't want to open your own books i see yeah, wow absolutely not you put no, on the capitalist no. hat and suddenly your fucking morals change that's yeah dude that's being a small business owner man <laughs> just wait till the ppp uh, loan drops bro <laughs> Yeah, the the support has been really uh, 
really overwhelming uh, in in the best way possible. Um, and so, you know, I, and, and we encourage everyone to check out more than baseball directly because they're doing a lot of really, uh, a lot of really great work, not only in, you know, raising money for minor leaguers and kind of, uh, putting together these stipend grant programs for them, but also just getting the word out about the, the conditions that minor league players are, are living with right now. Um, they had a thread this past week that, that confirmed the the story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with regards to host families in the minor leagues and confirmed that that host families will not be allowed this year. Um, they're, they're also uh, asking players to minimize the number of players per apartment, um, but are, are not actually providing additional funds to cover, you know, the, the increased rent to account for, you know, fewer players uh, sharing the, the pie there. So, so we're obviously only in the, in the early stages of a, a lot of this and, and how the season unfolds remains to be seen, but we, we are encouraging everyone to continue supporting more than baseball advocates for minor leaguers go to a minor league game. If you can do it, because that's a, that is genuinely a way to <laughs> support those guys Even more direct support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's well said. And I'm glad that you brought up the host families thing. Cause I wanted to talk about that too. Um, more than baseball is doing such a great job of drawing attention to that advocates for minor leaguers, which you mentioned also is, you know, we have some friends there, Matt Perret and Ty Kelly and um, Garrett Brocious, who's been the, one of the leading lawyers for the class action lawsuit against major league baseball for its treatment of minor league players. So there's a lot of people doing really good work around these specific issues. Um, and yeah, like you said, we've been incredibly hardened by this, the support for the store. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you you know, don't spend a lot of time on Twitter or haven't seen it so far, um, go check out our storefront. The link will be in the bio. I feel like weirdly promotional like this earlier in the podcast, but it's a big development in the tipping pitches world, Alex, um, getting that store back up and running. And with that being said, you know, we're going to continue to roll out new shirt designs, um, maybe even some other kind of merch as well, which if you listen to the show, I think that you will like this, the various themes that will make their way onto this merchandise. So the short link is tiny.cc backslash nationalize. Um, and then if you want to just click the link in our description, it's in there too. Uh, anything else to say on the minor leagues? No, I don't think so. Uh, like you said, everything is in the uh, it's in the description, and stay stay abreast of of what we've got coming down the the pipeline. Because, like you said, there's more more fun stuff rolling out this summer. And uh, I, I will also add real quick to our to our listeners of the podcast: if you have not yet purchased a t shirt, oh yeah, this is the, this is that listeners only discount because we know only a fraction of the people who uh who follow us on twitter actually listen to us so you can use the discount code a rod that is right capital a capital r capital o capital d to get 15 percent off your and we should have made the discount purchase. code the corp <laughs> <laughs> discount code a rod 15 off your purchase amazing stuff uh okay let's move on Alex, a baseball legend got DFA'd this past week. Just like straight up DFA'd, haven't seen a ton of reporting after it. Albert Pujols was basically cut by the Los Angeles Angels. This has been a long time coming. Um, we haven't spent a ton of time talking about Pujols on this podcast, which is interesting because I think of him as like a 
massively titanic figure in my baseball watching life because uh, for the better part of it he was the best player in baseball or one of the top two or three players in baseball but the timeline of events unfolded interestingly for this show and how we talk about him because you know much has been written about basically after 2015 or 2016 he fell off a cliff and we started the show in 2017 so we haven't spent a ton of time talking about him um what is, what is your relationship to albert pujols because i grew up with him as sort of like a national league rival my best friend in high school and growing up was a big cardinals fan so he was always kind of in my life we were always watching cardinals games and he was just dominating throughout all of them but i'm curious to hear what your relationship is to pools i know you have so much reverence for other guys who are kind of like of that generation who shaped our baseball watching lives like miguel cabrera um and adrian beltre um but we, we you and i even off pod have not even had that many conversations about Albert Pujols. So, you know, wax a little bit about him. I mean, I don't even know what there is to say, right? Because we're talking like, about him like I, he's dead or like we're I talking know, about him like he's not playing baseball anymore. He just got cut by the angels and it's uncertain what his future is going to be. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, a bit of an unceremonious departure for him, right? Because it would be great for him to kind of have his um, farewell tour and call it quits on his own terms. It still kind of remains to be seen what the case will be with that. Um, yeah, I mean, my my memories of him are somewhat fleeting, you know? I really think of him as being an integral, integral part of that, like, late 2010s Cardinals team, right, that that won the World Series. And I, you know, he and, and Tony La Russa will forever be kind of linked in my mind as well as they both... Um, uh, exited the Cardinals around the same time. And it's so, he has, he literally hit from the second he reached the major leagues. Like that is like not an exaggeration. He hit 37 home runs and hit 329 in his rookie year. (laughs) He didn't, not even like a bullshit. He had a Mike Trout year the year before where like he come, he came up and had like, right. Had a couple months and he was bad. No, straight up. Second, he came onto the scene, 21 years old. And I, I feel like we are all used to that at, at this point, right? We're kind of expectant that it's kind of expected that, you know, young prospects come up and they just rake right away because a lot of the um, analytical tools and development tools that teams have at their disposal today really, I think, kind of bridge the gap between hitting in the minors and hitting in the majors. But Pujols came out and uh, came up in 2001. Big year for you. You started kindergarten that year. Me yeah, too. that huge, huge year. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and you hit 329 in T ball. Yeah, absolutely. Pujols, Albert six Pujols, out of the other ten times, you just hit the T. <laughs> also, the the la- <laughs> the last remaining backyard baseball legend. I mean, yeah. this is it. He's the he's the period on that era, right? I mean, I listen long time listeners of the point if you ask me. Absolutely. I'm long time listeners of the show know our our reverence for backyard baseball um and all that all that came along with it. So this is uh it's the end of an era. It really is. Yeah. I think that you're right to bring up TLR. You're right to bring about that bring up that turn of the decade Cardinals team, the 09, 10, 11. They obviously won in 11 and 2007 um, for this main reason, because 
I never thought of Albert Pujols as a villain. I never thought of him as the enemy. You know, I, I, he was a, like I said, an NL National League rival. But like, I liked him the whole time. He always seemed like a good guy. He always seemed very easy to root for. And that's truly saying a lot for someone who hates the Cardinals. Still to this day, hates the Cardinals. Um, I have a begrudging respect for Yadier Molina. But I didn't. I never begrudged any amount of fandom I had for Albert Pujols because he was just so dang good. And like, if you watch baseball and appreciate it on the level of appreciating the sport as a whole, there's no way that you can look at someone like Albert Pujols, no matter what uniform he's wearing, and not just be wowed because he he was the picture of consistency. I think that the guys on the Ringer MLB show did a much better job talking about breaking down the stats and the numbers of everything. Um, the stats and the numbers of his career that make him so exceptional, exceptional, and make him such a you know bona fide Hall of Famer. We're not quite as adept of the number as adept with the numbers as those guys are, but I think that's something that Bauman said, um, Michael Bauman, who's been on this podcast a couple times, uh, that really stuck with me was that he was basically the bridge between, you know, Ken Griffey and Mike Trout. You know, he was the guy in between when like one generational superstar's career was cut short and we were waiting for the next generational superstar, he was right there the whole time. And maybe he wasn't as electrifying or as historically shocking as a guy like Griffey or a guy like Trout, who many people think that at the end of his career, we will just think of him as the greatest baseball player ever. But the model of consistency at a corner position for a franchise that is annoyingly successful um, was just something that I always really admired about Pujols. And you could basically pencil him in for like 40 home runs and a close to 300 batting average every single year. And you just can't say that about a lot of people. You can't say that about a lot of people over that longer period of time, which makes the decline all the more shocking that he just kind of fell off a cliff and and lost it so quickly. It makes it sad. And then for the Angels to DFA him, I mean, I don't really have like... Some people came on and they were like that they did Pujols dirty. I don't really have like a strong take about that. You know, this has this had been coming for several years and you know, the Angels in order to compete and in order to give Otani the amount of at-bats he needs, they can't be DHing Pujols every every day. So it just becomes really hard and it just goes to show how cruel of a sport baseball can be and how hard it is and how if you if you lose even a little bit of what you once had, you can go from being the best hitter in the entire sport to just being like totally unplayable. So I do think that it's unfortunate how cruel baseball can be and how exposed I felt about that in light of them DFAing Pujols. But I don't have like a strong take about how it's immoral or whatever that they DFA'd him. Yeah, and and we are not the podcast that is going to review his his contract review his performance and say, well, did the angels get their, get their money worth? Um, I ultimately, at the end of the day, you understand that the end of the contract is going to be quote unquote underwater a little bit because he was performing at a much higher level at the beginning of that contract. Right. So I'm sure that the angels and angels fans probably wish they, that his um, decline hadn't been so precipitous. I think baseball fans in general probably would have would have rooted for that, and I would have loved to see him. Um, I it would have been great to see him get to like seven hundred home runs, you know, which he was uh, 
33 shy of. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I, I will say, Albert Pujols, also Loki labor legend, drafted in the 13th round by the Cardinals, was offered a $10,000 signing bonus, did not sign because he thought that was too low and and didn't uh didn't play didn't go to the minors that year did not play minor league baseball um in 99 after being drafted uh didn't join the minors until the following year when the cardinals said okay we'll pay you 60,000 instead of 10,000 instead so this is a man labor. who knows his value yes yes we love to see it um yeah and i mean it's pretty rare that you know the the fear is always like Okay, if you give someone a free agent contract who was formerly on a different team, are you paying for the worst half of their career? They've already had their better days. It's pretty rare that it lines up so evenly, though, because basically from 2012 on is the worst half of his career. He has a couple mm-hmm. good years sprinkled on after that, but 2011 was absolute, 2010 and 2011 were absolute peak, peak. And those were his last two years with the Cardinals. I mean, he was unbelievable in those playoffs. In the World Series in 2011, he was a, an absolute titan. Uh, like I, I just might have walked him at that time, not, not knowing what we know now about intentional walks. I might have just walked him every single time. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty rare that it lines up so uh, acutely. But, you know, I hope, that, I hope that a team does the right thing and gives him the chance to kind of come on and get a little bit more of a send-off. And maybe that team is the Cardinals or maybe that team is just any team that is, you know, that he's willing to go to and kind of play out the last hundred ABs of his career and get the proper, get his proper flowers, you know, kind of from his opponents who obviously have a ton of respect for him as a player and as a person and as um, kind of a godfather of, of Major League Baseball. Yeah. And ultimately, I, I think that it's kind of a bummer that this end of his career has largely been overshadowed by the way in which it has kind of come to a crashing halt, right? Reports about confrontations between him and Joe Madden and the, 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 um, the angels front office saying, well, you know, he wanted to play every day. We couldn't do that. We had to let him go. Was Pujols unhappy, et cetera. That's, that's a bummer because I think that the end of his career deserves uh, a little more than just kind of some uh, clubhouse gossip. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Should we talk about a, a more clubhouse gossip, Bobby? Yeah, let's talk about more clubhouse gossip. <laughs> let's talk about nice, nice transition, my dude. Nice segue. Um, let's talk about the Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil fight argument, rat raccoon debate. I don't even know how to begin describing this. I feel like I've tried to describe this three separate times to three separate people and done a worse job successively. Um, But I'm going to give it a fourth try. Here we go. The Mets were playing the Diamondbacks and, you know, it was a a routine Mets game. They were struggling offensively. Uh, Jeff McNeil in particular was struggling offensively. And if you haven't watched a ton of McNeil, he is very hard on himself when he makes outs, especially on pitches that he felt like he should have hit. So... He made an out. I think he grounded out to the right side and uh, he ran it out and the throw beat him and he immediately sprinted straight off the field as soon as he made the out, took his helmet off and ran straight back into the dugout, straight into the tunnel towards the clubhouse. 
Now, nothing else happened for the rest of that inning. Michael Conforto came up. He made the final out. And then when they came back from commercial break, after the inning was over, um, the broadcast showed what appeared to be like a confrontation that happened in the tunnel that caused every Mets player and coach to suddenly and urgently run towards the clubhouse, run back into the tunnel, leave the dugout to see what was going on and or to break up a fight or argument or whatever was happening. So it was very clear that something went on in the dugout or in the tunnel behind the dugout towards the clubhouse. But there's no cameras that have that angle. You can't see in there. So we didn't know what had happened. So anyway, McNeil was back there. And by power of deduction of seeing who was in the dugout and who was not in the dugout, the broadcast was able to determine that Lindor had gone back there as well. So speculation arose that Lindor and McNeil had gotten into an argument, a confrontation. We don't know. We didn't know what level it was. So Lindor, anyway, Lindor comes up. He hits a two-run home run, ties the game. It's a it's a really good game. They come back and they win. Uh, and in the post-game press conference, obviously all of the reporters are asking them what this confrontation was between McNeil and Lindor. <laughs> and then Francisco Lindor said this. Hey Francisco, um, what exactly happened in the uh, in the tunnel there? Steve, it was, it was funny because I told him, I was like, hey, I'd never seen a New York rat. So we went down sprinting. I want to go see a New York rat. And he got mad at me. He's like, no, it's not a rat. It's a raccoon. I'm like, hell no, man. It's a damn rat. It's a New York rat, man. I was just crazy because we were going back and forth debating if it was a rat or a raccoon. <laughs> crazy, man. Insane. Who, who was he? Who were you debating that with? Uh, we Jeff. We Jeff. I was like, bro, you got you to check this out. I was like, this is a New York rat. He's like, no, man, I've been here longer than you. <laughs> so, obviously, he's lying. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. I hear raccoons and rats are all over City Field. Well, they are all over New York. They are all over New um, York. And they don't and, look that different. And whom among us it, has not wanted to see a New York rat? I kind of like the New York rats. I think that people complaining about rats in New York is like way overblown. I think they're kind of cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I've they never, were probably here first. I've you never, know? Yeah, I've never been harmed by one. <laughs> the bigger problem in New York is the cockroaches. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Much bigger problem than the rats. The rats are just chilling. Uh, anyway, so Lindor made up that story. McNeil confirmed that lie when he came out for his press conference. And it became it became a thing. It became a bit that they're doing. Mets are all about bits this year. Whether it was the Donnie Stevenson thing, whether it was this, you know, whatever. To so, to to uh, Luis Rojas's credit, the, the manager for the Mets, did, he was not did not in the bit. was not interested in entertaining it at all. Was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what this fucking rat thing is about. He never trained. At, he never trained at UCB like the rest <laughs> of the team, apparently. So the next day, McNeil has a better game. He hits a home run. And it becomes this thing. It's like, oh, they had a confrontation and then these two guys are suddenly on a spark. They've sparked each other. Um, And the rat raccoon story continued. And uh, on Saturday, Lindor burst into McNeil's press conference to like give him a hug while he was answering questions and say something like, it was a rat, it was a rat, it was a raccoon or something like that. So it was this weird story, ultimately inconsequential. I mean... I think what was most likely was that these two guys got into an argument and they didn't want to talk about it. So they made up this story as, as a bit, as a way to keep deflecting 
consistently deflecting while reporters ask questions. I think that that would have been like a maybe a three up, three down, if not for what I'm about to say next, which is that there was a whole lot of legacy media, legacy New York media, like former SNY people or like, I don't know, like former post columnists or whatever. There was just like a large handful of them mad about this, like grumpy about the fact that Lindor and McNeil would quote unquote lie to the media about what was going on in the tunnel I just want, I wish that we got a Phil Mushnick column so that we could do a dramatic reading about this, but we're still waiting on that one. Phil's not as quick with the the file as he used to be. But Alex, I want to turn it to you. Um, are you. Are you pissed? Are you mad? Are you insulted that Francisco Lindor would come out here and he would lie to you? To you, Alex, the viewer. He would lie to you. Yeah, well, famously, I'm the one who's paying him. Uh you know, $300 million. So he does owe me an explanation and he owes you an explanation too. Cause you sell some more shirts. If you're paying $300 million. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty corny. I don't like ultimately they very clearly just wanted to keep it in house. And to that, I say sounds about right. They're a, they're a workplace. You're not, you don't just divulge everything that happens behind closed doors if they want to concoct a lot like at least the lie was entertaining i frankly would be more pissed if they were like yeah uh yeah no we just were hugging each other too hard or or yeah we were uh each trying to see who could sing taylor swift the loudest or something actually i wouldn't even be annoyed by that i would respect it uh we might have I'm, to have them on the podcast if they were trying to see who could sing Taylor Swift the loudest. I know. I'm curious, like how, like how did they come up with this lie? You know, like was it McNeil and Lindor? Was it their, you know, the Mets press guy who was like, okay, here's what the story is going to be? I don't think it was the Mets press guy. <laughs> I think that what's funny about the legacy media, quote unquote, we'll just call them that. It's like a handful of guys on Twitter who have like you know, 10,000 too many followers for what their actual content that they're tweeting out is. I think that what's funny about it is it's this like, you know, twisted version of what you think that journalism should be. You know, like people were not offended when no one could figure out why Jed Lowry wasn't playing and the Wilpons were constantly lying to the media about it. And people were not offended when the Wilpons wouldn't tell the media about how much debt they had because of the Bernie Madoff scandal and the ways that they were not spending on the team so that they could pocket extra cash and pay off their debts. Like, people were not offended by that. So why are you offended by something that is a very obvious lie, almost like a sarcastic level lie, in order to cover up something that is an interpersonal conflict within the team? This is not like you need to get to the bottom of this like it's Watergate. Like, these guys had an argument in the tunnel. Maybe they got in each other's faces. They're both fiery guys in the heat of the moment. Clearly, neither of them had a shiner, so it's not like a punch was thrown. And it's not like they're still mad at each other. They're talking to each other, and even if they are still mad at each other, they're still playing well next to each other. So it hasn't become a big enough story where, like, you need to get to the bottom of it, or else the fans are being disserviced. A bigger, I would have rather had the answer to... um how much debt do the Wilpons have and why are they spending $110 million on payroll when they're in New York City? And the Yankees are 
eight miles away spending $225 million on payroll. I would have rather you spent your uh, emotional energy on that one, legacy New York media. Yeah, agreed. But when you can carry water for owners, why why wouldn't you? You know, that's so much easier. It's so much easier just to close your eyes, to look the other way. Bobby. You're right. Um, okay. Well, that's enough rat and raccoon talk. Uh, maybe we'll have an update on that next week. You want to do a couple of voicemails? Yeah, let's get to it. Wait, really quickly, I wanted to mention to you before we started doing voicemails. Um, do you believe in the t- the Taylor Swift album Giants World Series thing? Are you familiar with this as I a mean, concept? I mean, I might, I might have been in on it if like it lasted beyond 2014, which it which it didn't, right? Like that was that was it. If the Giants win the World Series this year, are you back in on it though? The theory for those listening, but is she that hasn't if, even if, she hasn't even released an album this year. That fearless, I sorry, doesn't count. And also, why didn't the Giants win the World Series twice last year? <laughs> Yeah, do you want to explain the theory to the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about? It's basically just that the Giants won a World Series every year that Taylor, Taylor Swift dropped an album for like the, her first three albums, right? It wasn't her well, first was, three albums, but it was like the middle three. Right, like it was whatever 20, those, even your magic, it was 2010, 2012, and 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, <laughs> we need to go back and and see who else also released albums in 2010, 12, and 14. You know, like, is it also yeah, why the... Why is it a Taylor Swift thing? Is it like a Kendrick Lamar thing, too? You know, is it a Fall Out Boy thing, too? If it is a Fall Out Boy thing, then we need to cover it closer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I just wanted to get a temperature check on that as as I was pulling up these voicemails here. Okay, here are some voicemails. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Alex and Bobby. Uh, I'm a new listener. Norman from Twitter got me on to Tipping Pitches. And I have a non-paceball-related uh, comment, which is that y'all have to stop saying, like, we'll make this really quick or we're going to wrap this up or we're just going to get through this so fast. Like, I work from home. I'm listening to podcasts all day. I choose to listen to Tipping Pitches every week because it's hilarious to listen to you guys. If your podcast ends up being two hours, two and a half hours, great. Go for it. Don't worry about it. All right. Hope you guys are having a great week. Take care. Alex, we got to make this podcast three hours now. We have to pause and come up with 10 more topics to talk about. This is the positive reinforcement we absolutely do not need. Yeah, you no, know, we don't. Like, <laughs> Um, I already I, have to end up cutting like 20 minutes out of the show every week. I don't need like 30 more minutes to cut out of the show, you know? I, I absolutely appreciate the love. Um, and that, you know, and then you like hearing us, sharing us ramble. We'll, we'll, stop, we'll stop apologizing for it and, uh, and just keep going. You know, like right now, I don't know where this sentence is going to end. And you may, have to, uh, you may have to just throw a period <laughs> in. But I'm just going to keep going until you, I don't know, click over to the next voicemail or something like that. It's a good note because when I'm like, we're going to wrap this up really quickly. It's not like the listeners can't see the time code. Like they know that right. we're not going to wrap it up <laughs> exactly. really quickly. I'm a podcast producer. I should know that. You know, that's on me. That's on me. Thank you for the call. It's very kind. Um, we'll just do we'll just do it as long as we need to. Now, I was thinking the other day, you know, it would be much more fun for us. What live radio? Three hours, no edits. It would at least be more fun for me because then I wouldn't have to edit it and post it. You know, we just, <laughs> just do it and work. then we leave. Our job is to just go in at nine a.m. and we're on the air from ten to two. That's four hours. We're I can do math. We're on the air from ten to one, and then we're done. We're done for the day. Yeah. You just go home and watch baseball all night. 
Yeah. That's, I mean, the fun part about that is that an hour of that is us just pausing and thinking about what to say next. You know, that's yeah, what the we listeners would have to have don't a get philosoph- to hear. We would have to have a philosophical shift about how we talk to each other on the show. <laughs> it would have to just be more like when we're sitting around watching baseball games. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, I think we could do it. This is Tipping Pitch's pivot to live radio, which we've made multiple times. And that's why our um, voicemail number is a Topeka, Kansas. It's a long inside joke. Anyway. Next voicemail. Hey, y'all. This is Anthony. Uh, I'm calling uh, from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, My best friend Henry was on this segment uh, a bit ago, and he introduced me to y'all's podcast. It's amazing. It's everything I want in a podcast. Uh, And I'm here to cover a couple bases, as it were, uh, complaining about owners and the MLB in general. Um, but I'm a, I'm a Reds fan. My mom was a Reds fan, uh, back in the seventies with the big red machine. Um, and I just hate tanking, especially when there's like no real purpose, it feels like. Uh, and the Reds really pinched pennies, especially in their bullpen, which if you at all paid attention to their series with the Diamondbacks resulted in like 3000 runs in the series. Um, but bigger than that, I'm going to gripe about not being able to watch the Reds in Ohio because what this does, in my opinion, is really kind of protect the owners uh, where they can have these new guys like Jonathan India, who's playing really well, just got his first homer in the show. Uh, Nick Senzel's really coming along, but I don't get to watch them. And if they do poorly, of course they do because they're prospects who are brought up too early. Um, and in a division that was very winnable this year, we let go of two of our best bullpen pitchers. Um, and even though we started the season off really well, uh, that bullpen is starting to show. So it's just really frustrating because I don't get to watch and be frustrated. Uh, and, you know, the owners just don't take any risk. And that's that's something that I think – isn't talked about enough about the monopoly is that not only do you have to pay extra to watch in your market, but if you don't, then the owners don't have to answer it to you because you're not watching their decisions play out uh, every single day. All right. Well, uh, have a good podcast this week and uh, go red. Great call. Uh, a lot of good points were made in there. I want to address first that last point, um, which is that, there's no pressure for the owners to build a team that goes above and beyond because there are only 30 teams. It is a monopoly. There's no pressure on them to um, necessarily make the playoffs every year. There's a lot more of a cost-benefit analysis financially, which is how these guys operate because they're billionaires. When you become a billionaire, the only thing you ever think about is your money. Um, That's the only way to become a billionaire. So... There's much more of a cost-benefit analysis for these franchises to be okay and then overperform based on sample size than there is to be to put the effort in, the extra $40 million in, into your payroll to build a sustainable winner and then have that small sample size bite you back and not make the playoffs. Because then you got people mad at you all around. You got the fans mad that it fell through. You got a a collection of fans mad that it fell through and you didn't make the team. You didn't make the playoffs. 
And then you have all of the people balancing your books are mad at you too. And you're mad at yourself because you don't get to take that $40 million and spend it on your 17th yacht, you know? So it's that cost benefit analysis that is driving decisions like this. And ultimately the people that it's hurting are the fans. Yeah. And I, I mean, as an, as an A's fan, I, I very strongly relate to this because the A's like they don't tank. Like, I don't think uh, tanking is in baseball is very different from other sports anyways, because it's, you're, you're much, you are not guaranteed to end up with a wealth of prospects or anything like that because the draft is a bit of a crapshoot and development is is so much different in in baseball than any other sports. Um, and so you have teams like the A's, teams like the Reds, who uh, can just play the 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 middle ground, right? You you don't necessarily have to tank. You don't have to invest in your team, and especially with expanded playoffs, you actually have a better than fifty percent chance of making it right just from the outset without even doing anything you already have a good chance of making the playoffs and so that's just kind of the the way that baseball's infrastructure is set up right now and i sympathize anthony this this shit sucks it's it's a lot more fun when teams uh i I can actually like commit and, and get behind their players i mean and that's especially true when you have teams like the reds teams like the A's who have actually shown that they have potential, right? They have prospects, they have players who are genuinely good and are not necessarily willing to, to add to them. They're like, well, we'll just, we'll roll with this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the worst things that could have happened to baseball fans was this idea of like a bell curve of results for teams being the most likely scenario where like for the Reds, they're happily and the A's too. They're like happily situated, like right on the fat part of that bell curve. And they're like, maybe we'll overperform and maybe we'll end up on the top end of that bell curve. And in the unlikely event that we end up on the bottom end of that bell curve, we just shrug and we say, just bad luck this year. Tough beat, had some injuries. And that's not now just like become accepted. It's like on its face, that's okay that there's a bell curve. But then nefariously, it's nestled its way into baseball front offices and ownership groups. And they're like, we're happy to just kind of land in the middle of that bell curve and see situationally how that dictates our season, whether we make the playoffs or not. Like these dudes do not go to bed at night and think, man, we got to make the playoffs this year. They just don't. I mean, like the GMs do for sure because they want to make the playoffs and they want to keep their job. It's mostly like self-interest that they really want to make the playoffs because that's how they're judged. But owners are not judged on whether they make the playoffs. No, uh, no owner looks at another owner and thinks, Man, that guy made the playoffs. Owners look at each other and they think, man, that guy made a lot of money. <laughs> you know, I bet you that every other owner thinks that the A's owner is a fucking genius. Like, I don't, I don't think that anybody looks at the A's, any of the other owners, if you gave them truth serum, looked at the A's and were like, haha, what a broke little brother franchise. I think they're probably like, yo, they've weaponized this money while thinking they make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but it's the same thing that we get on here all the time and talk about. Get get owners out of the game. Ban, ban billionaires from baseball. That's right. That's right. Okay, final call this week. Hey, guys. My name's Adam. I live in Oakland. I'm a pretty new listener and first-time caller. Um, last weekend, I was at a really good May Day march and rally in downtown San Francisco. It was an extremely good vibe. 
there were lots of unions out there. The Teamsters were there. The Longshoremen were there. They shut down the port for the day. Angela Davis was there. She had an incredible speech where she demanded a four-hour workday. I was very into that. Um, anyways, I was kind of seized by this really positive mood, and I started to fantasize a situation in which, alongside all these other unions, there was a MLBPA contingent of Bay Area big leaguers, you know, like Mike Yastrzemski hoisting a banner with Emma Goldman and Marvin Miller's faces on it, or uh, Johnny Cueto, you know, singing the international, or, uh, you know, Ramon Laureano and Mark Canna handing out, like, DSA propaganda. And, uh, yeah, after I kind of came down from that fantasy, I started to wonder, like, what are actually some real, really imaginable ways in which big leaguers could show some true working class solidarity with other unionizing efforts. And then today, right before I decided to leave this voicemail, I saw the tweet about the MLBPA officially endorsing and supporting the passage of the PRO Act, which is super sick. Um, so I just wanted to hear from you guys. Number one, what are your fantasies of major league or minor league baseball players uh, showing like outrageous forms of socialist and working class solidarity, and uh, and then what do you think are some real tangible circumstances that might be able to bring some of those things about on a very basic scale? Um, yeah, one last thing, uh, I'm super in favor of abolishing the K zone on the broadcasts. I think that's an extremely good take. Okay, thank you guys for the pod. And uh, looking forward to listening more. Okay. More people should just compliment Alex on the take that he's had. <laughs> Not only that, preempting the the first of my ups this week in three up, three down, which was oh. going to be Major League Baseball coming together with the other sports uh, unions to uh, to endorse the Pro Act. Nice. Protecting nice. the right to organize, which absolutely should should happen. I think I can I can speak for you uh, if when I say that you know tipping pitches also officially endorses the the pro act. Us with our Weirdly, clout I mean out actually here. Mm, mm, I don't know. Okay, you know, All right. unions just don't work in every industry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a great call. I love this call a lot. Um, it's so cool that you know you got to participate in a mayday rally, walking around seeing Angela Davis speak. That. I'm very jealous of that experience. That sounds awesome. Um, and then parlaying that into baseball and how they can show more solidarity. I mean, the MLB Players Association, I will say, they do a really good job of like putting out statements in support of other industries, as a lot of unions do, as a lot of bigger unions with a lot of clout do. Um, I'll say, from my own personal experience, having different members, Major League Baseball players, tweet in support of the Ringer Union during our efforts was like really validating, really energizing. So... I think that encouraging more of that from a union-wide level, having individual players reach out and share their support of things, putting out statements for, you know, there's a lot of precedent for sports leagues, or sports unions, um, sports players unions, putting out support for like media unionization because these are people that cover them all of the time. It's sort of a symbiotic relationship. I think that, that there could be a ton more of that or people could pay even closer attention to that. Uh, I'll say for myself, 
I follow the MLBPA on Twitter and I get tweet notifications for everything they send out. And a lot of the time it is supporting other unionization efforts or, you know, things like the things like the PRO Act. I don't know. Do you have any other ideas? How can we bring together a coalition of unions from disparate industries and take back the power, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the the next year will be really telling in how willing how far the the MOBPA is willing to go in terms of materially supporting labor organization, right? And that specifically with regards to themselves, right? And the CBA that is expiring at the end of this year, right? We very well could be headed for a, a work stoppage, which is something that that uh, and, and acts like the PRO Act can actually help mitigate, right? I mean, the because it actually forces management's hand to come to the table and negotiate in good faith, right? You can't threaten replacement players. You, uh, if if players decide to strike or basically say we're not gonna we're not gonna play until you negotiate a fair contract with us, management has to come to the table in that in that regard, right? That's the, we would have seen something similar with the 94 work stoppage, right? Where something like the PRO Act actually has the the ability to prevent against that sort of thing because players legitimately Mm -hmm. have power. So I think that's a, that's a really huge one. Again, we have talked about like, do we, do we actively want the players to strike? Do we actively want a work stoppage? Like, I mean, what I would love is for owners to roll over and give players what they want, but I don't really expect that. Um, I think, like you said, vocal solidarity. I think they will roll over. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I think if that we keep, you know, banging the drum every week, we could, we could get them to roll over. I yeah man I yes I I agree. Should we march, by this time next we march year, to Steve Cohen's house? <laughs> by this time next year, Pro Act owners will have rolled over on the CBA. We'll get rid of the Save America's Pastime Act, and the antitrust exemption will be gone, all because of Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a pipe dream to think that we're we're actually going to have major leaguers starting to to weigh in on working class labor issues but maybe it's not maybe maybe we start seeing guys coming out and saying yeah people just do deserve a 15 dollar minimum wage like there are guys like Colin McHugh and Sean Doolittle two friends of the pod the only two baseball players who we consistently reference in terms of being on our side I was just going to say side. keep going yeah keep going <laughs> no, no there I, are more there are a lot of guys oh there, absolutely there, I mean, yeah Guys with not quite as big platforms as those two guys um, who are really supportive of labor across the, I mean, you know, in baseball, but then also just kind of across America um, and understand like the power of a collective, the power of unions. Um, and and it's, frankly, it's, it's just hard, right? Like the MLBPA supported the drive for a union at Amazon in Bessemer, right? For example, things like that that rise to that level of where it makes sense as an entire labor-wide industry for MLB to be commenting on this labor issue, I think that they will continue to speak up vocally about those things. It's just a matter of the climate of how we talk about labor in this country where it doesn't, it doesn't always feel natural for like 
me to talk about a different industry, you to talk about a different industry, MLB players to talk about a different industry. And that's part of the problem, right? Part of the problem is that we just like don't have open conversations about how workers are treated in this country, which for the most part is pretty bad. Um, do I think that MLB players could be a shining example of that? Yeah, for sure. But it would take a receptive audience too because there are plenty of people out there who are like, I don't need some millionaire lecturing me about labor solidarity. Of course, it's e- easy for you to be in solidarity with your other millionaire baseball players. And it's just a little bit more nuanced than that, you know? And I wish that it, I wish that there, there wasn't kind of that like toxicity and negativity folded into the conversation. But right now there is. So I think they pick and choose their spots because of that reason. And I think that we have seen in recent weeks the actual power that they have with regards to the uh, vaccination drive, right? Like Major League Baseball teams and players actually have influence on people and can use their platforms when they when they want to for good. And while that's not a labor-specific issue, that is still like I, a massive point for working-class people in the country right now is like, we got to, you know, we got to we got to fight this shit. We got to yeah. we got to get vaccinated. So, I think if if players can can build off that work, I think that you know, we've got a we've got a world to win. Okay, well that was all of our voicemails. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll do 3 up 3 down. I say, we, I say we start with down this week. What do you think? Now we'll end on a high note, so we'll start with down. That's fun. I'm into it. Let's do it. Yeah, it's it's always fun to talk about the sad things. Uh, <laughs> I'll go first. So my first down this week is I was scrolling Instagram, and obviously Shohei Otani's been amazing. Uh, I had that written down as a topic, but we just you know didn't have enough space to squeeze it in up top. Um, he he's leading the league in. Home runs. He's also leading. He's tied for the league lead in home runs. He's also leading the league in strikeouts as a pitcher. Gnarly stuff. Um, but there was in his most recent start, there was a, a comebacker that was hit back at him, and he kind of juggled it up in the air and then caught it. And it was a, quite a highlight play, a very funny play where he caught the ball and was almost like shocked himself. Looked back at the batter, showed him that he had caught it. And I was scrolling Instagram and MLB or Cut Four, one or the other. Um, sent out a video, a side-by-side of Otani's highlight catch on the comebacker and Jose Fernandez from a few years back. There was a very funny highlight of Jose Fernandez catching a comebacker that was hit very hard at him and kind of shocking himself that he had caught it and looking back at the batter and kind of laughing at him because he knew that the batter had teed off on one and he got lucky that he, he caught it and just this beaming smile that Fernandez had. Yeah, it was and it was it was Tulowitzki at bat who who mouths to Fernandez. Did you did you catch that? And and Fernandez just like yeah, nodding, kind of amazed at himself. Yeah, yeah, and it just this powerful feeling of nostalgia wore over me and remembering that play, um, and then just remembering a million other Jose Fernandez highlight plays, and then of course this is where the down comes in. Just feeling really sad that we don't have Jose Fernandez anymore. I just miss him a lot, man. And when a play like that happens and MLB, you know, rightfully tweets out like a highlight, side-by-side highlight, um, it just makes me sad that we don't Mm -hmm. get to talk about him every week here, that we don't get to watch him every five days on this fun young Marlins team. Like, he would just be such a a delight on that team. And he was taken from us too soon. And I really miss him all the time. 
it's really something to think about, especially knowing how good pitchers are today in 2021. Like, and knowing how good he already was five years ago. Like, that curveball with more spin on it or like perfecting the spin and handling of it even more. Like, I just, he would be throwing a no hitter every five days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree. I agree. Still think about him almost daily. All right. Down for you. First down for me. The Diamondbacks are currently exploring options for a a new ballpark uh, in Maricopa County. And that's you know, that's a whole other down. That's a whole other conversation. If we want to get into it, into that, which I don't even really, really want to. We don't need to. Um, you said Maricopa County, and I got like war flashbacks to Election Day. <laughs> <laughs> the counties that like everyone knows by heart now. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's actually funny. I'm from one of those counties in Pennsylvania, so I felt like weirdly seen, but also like attacked. Yeah. During Election Day, and especially in Election Day 2016, when. Um, Pennsylvania went the wrong way. We don't need to talk about that. Let's just keep going on the Diamondbacks ballpark. Uh, however, until they can find their replacement ballpark for for their current ballpark, which there's nothing wrong with, um, they're going to focus on their their plan, their refurbishment plans, which will cost four to to five hundred million dollars, and uh, and they'll have a nice funding they mechanism. Sell a lot more shirts. <laughs> Well, you know what they're going to do, actually, is uh, is just tax the fans for everything what? they buy at the ballpark. So uh, the Arizona governor, Doug Ducey, signed into law a bill this past week that would allow the D-backs to place up to a 9% tax on anything sold at the ballpark right now. So that is tickets, that is merchandise, Why? that Why? is concessions to underwrite and pay off this uh, a, a publicly backed revenue bond issue for the improvements. The D-backs will be on the hook for uh, the other, the 20% of it, basically. And the rest, uh, you oh, know, they'll just have goes to, pay to fans. For, they'll just have to pay for one-fifth of what they're doing. Right, exactly. I mean, notoriously, it's very cheap to go to ballparks these days. So why not, why not make, uh, why so not make fans me- foot the bill a little bit more? So you're telling me, Alex, sales tax expert that you are now, right. now that we've um, created our own business and are selling our own things and had to read a million articles about sales tax. You're telling me that if I go to a Diamondbacks game and I buy a cheeseburger, they're going to charge me a 9% sales tax on it. I mean, so this is, they they have the capability to, up to a 9% tax. It's unclear whether they're actually going to do that. Uh, the club's president, Derek Hall, said... I'm not sure we're going to use this mechanism, but it's sure nice to know we're able to. Which, yeah, I fucking bet it is. Jesus, dude. Uh, they're they're able to do this in part because um, the, the bill designates Chase Field as a theme park district now. Oh, so, no. Come on, dude. What are we doing? What are we doing? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Can we move on? Yes, we absolutely can. Uh, yeah, D-backs, get the fuck out of here. You know what I'd rather talk about? Please. That's down this week. Okay. So much happier, Dustin mm-hmm. May, Tommy John. This is fucked up, dude. Dustin May. On obvi- May Day. On May Day. cruelty. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. Dustin May, he's been a, a, you know, not a central figure of the pod, but a peripheral figure of the pod. We've talked about him a decent amount. Uh, multiple time guest Hannah Kaiser has come on here and dubbed him the legs dustin the legs may which never quite caught on you know 
nationwide, but at least is popular among Tipping Pitch's listeners. Uh, he's a young starter for the Dodgers with electric stuff. And he was really starting to put it together this year in terms of swing and miss, in terms of strikeouts, really slotting in nicely into that stack Dodgers rotation. And they'll be able to weather it, of course. But for him personally, um, to be one of the first pitchers to get Tommy John this season, along with James Paxton, who we we also kind of glossed over. We didn't talk too much about that, but that was a really big bummer too. Uh, it just reminds you. It's just a cruel, sudden reminder all of the time about how unnatural it is to pitch a baseball and how you can look fine one week and then the very next week just snap your UCL. Nice reminder that uh, humans probably shouldn't be pitching. Yeah, just like unnatural motion, not the body body not built for that sort of thing. Uh, not only are are should people not be uh, pitching, but pitchers should probably not be playing video games. Ooh, Jesus, yeah. Jesus, man, dude, I deeply relate to this. You, I know you deeply relate to this. Uh, Jesus Luzardo, Oakland A's pitcher prospect, ace of the future. Hopefully, maybe if he can, uh, if he can stay off MLB the show, uh, broke the pinky uh, on his pitching hand while he was he was gaming. You know, it was a heated gamer moment. He uh, he quote banged out of my room mom banged his hand into a table he's out indefinitely with with a with the broken bone and i just gotta say if if this had happened after a major league start where he performed really poorly i i would have been frustrated but also somewhat understanding because i know what it's like to like really just you know fucking have a bad day at the office i get it you know sometimes you want to punch a wall i mean i i've never actively wanted to punch a wall or a table but you know i get that the urge overcomes you sometimes absolutely i'm much i'm not a i don't destroy the office i'm more of a just lay face down on the ground kind of guy you know Mm -hmm. back in the day back in the day when you and i were running our student newspaper together we would frequently just kind of lay on the ground and wear it right (laughs) It's four in the morning. You know, you lay face down on a table, just try to catch a twenty-second micro nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry so, to bring up those old wounds. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more to say on this uh, beyond the fact that I guess Major League Baseball players are are you know they're people too. They are they are dumb people who get mad at video games just like the rest of us. So I yeah. suppose in a way that's. That's somewhat comforting, right? Yeah. Um, I broke my phone in college by accidentally throwing a controller onto the ground because of MLB The Show. And uh, it didn't actually hit the ground. It hit my phone and broke the screen. So I, I relate, you know, didn't break my pitching hand or anything like that. But it happens. It happens. Hopefully he comes back better than ever. So true. Agreed. Okay. Next for you. Okay, final down this week for me is uh, another pitcher injury. We were three in a row. Nice. <laughs> Clearly, we didn't talk these ones out beforehand. <laughs> but um, Jacob deGrom left his start today. I'm still watching this game off to my right. But Jacob deGrom left his start today. Uh, unclear why, but most likely, if I'm to speculate, the nagging injury of his lat on his throwing side. He had a sore lat that... Um, 
forced him to get scratched from his, his previous start earlier this week. Uh, and it seems like that is still bothering him or some combination of him trying to compensate for that is either fatiguing his shoulder or giving him back stiffness. He's had a, lot, a little bit of trouble with his back in the past. Um, I am seriously hoping this is nothing serious. Like, strongly hoping with all of my being, praying to whatever baseball gods are out there listening, which they haven't listened to me much in the past. So maybe they'll listen to me on this one. Because, like, aside from the fact that he's the most important player on the Mets, just, like, baseball doesn't deserve to lose him for a year. You know? We've been through a lot as baseball fans. We had a shortened season last year. Uh... We haven't been able to go to games. And finally, as fans are about are able to start going to games and appreciating the wonder, the marvel that is Jacob deGrom, if we were to lose him for an extended period of time, it would be really, really unfortunate. Um, and on a, on a selfish, personal level, like, that's just fucked up. He's like my favorite man ever. <laughs> so, uh, please get well, Jake. What's down for you? Third down. Last down for me, which is not necessarily as much of a down for me as it probably is for White Sox fans, is the fact that Tony La Russa is the manager of that baseball team over on the south side. Because, man, that really has not been... I know, I know. (laughs) It's like, yeah, things have not been going great. Um, Quite a few uh, instances in the past couple weeks where I think White Sox fans and baseball fans alike came together to say, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, could be sending Lucas Giolito back out to the mound in the seventh when he's thrown more than when he's thrown close to a hundred pitches, and uh, and he's he's tired. And Tony Larusa just didn't realize he was tired before sending him back out. Could be uh, letting Billy Hamilton get pivotal at bats at the end of close games because quote you needed a single, and that's why you didn't put Luis Robert in to pinch hit instead. You know, sometimes you just need Billy Hamilton to hit a single, right? Famously, I, we, Luis Robin there. is not allowed to hit singles. Not so allowed I to see hit. what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be something as simple as, you know, I didn't know the rule. I didn't know the this this specific part of the uh, the runner on second extra innings rule, which out of all of this actually might be the least egregious in my opinion because MLB introduces new rules every off season. It seems so like. I almost don't blame Larusa, an AL manager, for like not knowing all of the okay. He's details an AL manager, of it all, but he managed in the NL for a long well, time. Yeah, but this rule didn't exist when he managed in the NL, right? So, like, agreed. No, I, I know, I know. I, this one was totally defensible. I don't know the rules either. Yeah, no. <laughs> Although I don't get paid ten million dollars, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, you also have an entire like staff of coaches alongside you who maybe if you let your pitcher. Uh, be the runner on second. Like, if even if you don't know, maybe one of your coaches should be the one to say, "Hey, actually, you don't have to send Liam Hendricks out there to be the runner on second to start the game." TLR, learn the rules. That's all I gotta say. Or yeah. just you know, retire. <laughs> I uh, if you didn't want to learn obscure rules, you shouldn't have came out of retirement to manage a team that has playoff aspirations. Mm-hmm. Never great when your manager after the game is telling reporters, yeah, no, it makes sense. You probably know the rules better than I do. Um, okay, okay, Tony. I don't know why I would admit that in public. but Yeah, right. I'll t- yeah. you can't admit that. Yeah. You cannot admit that. No, come up, come up with a story about how a rat or a raccoon got in your way or something like that. You yeah, know? exactly. I got distracted. There was a raccoon 
Okay, uh, let's move to up. My first up this week is, you know, I mentioned on the previous pod that I have tickets to go see um, A's Angels in a few weeks. I also am planning a trip to uh, to go out to a Rancho Cucamonga game, Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. They're the single A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I haven't been since I moved to Los Angeles, which I, I feel a relative amount of shame about. Um, I've just been really busy, but this is the season that I'm going to make it out there. I don't know how many how many more opportunities I'm going to have while I still live out here in Los Angeles. So I'm going to try to make it out there to a game. And it just brings me joy. The idea of going out there to a game and wearing my steel base is not wages shirt, you know, getting out to a minor league game or wearing my Dodgers unionize the minors shirt out there. So uh, that's what's bringing me joy this week first. And while we're talking about that, I want to give a quick shout out to John and Megan, who are the first two people to share with us on Twitter a picture of them wearing their unionized and minor shirts to a minor league baseball game. Very cool to see. Very inspiring to see. If you're listening to this right now and you're going to be wearing that shirt or your steel base is not wages shirt to a minor league or major league baseball game, please tweet at us. We'll give you a shout out. Alex, what's up for you this week? Well, as our, as our friend Adam uh, already, already broke for us, um, MLBPA coming out in support of the PRO Act is the, is the first thing that is up for me. I'm not going to ha, belabor the point on, on this one. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, you guys what catch I'll say, that joke? Did you catch that one? <laughs> what I will say is don't stop here. You know, Let's see some support for minor leaguers. Let's see some support for college athletes um, who are in the midst of while not necessarily a uh, formalized unionization effort, are are actually making strides to get paid, get properly compensated, um, get treated fairly for the value, the the millions and millions and millions of dollars in value that they bring um, their colleges. So as uh, as Major League Baseball players, many of whom were formerly college athletes, um, let's let's show some support, show some solidarity for the for the kids who are the literal future of the game, you know? Yeah. I'd be into that. Yeah. And I mean, quickly on the college thing, it seems like right now they're focused on being able to capitalize on their likeness, which has long been one of the more confounding elements of the NCAA that they don't let these athletes, you know, like make money for endorsement deals or like make money for signing merch, signing shirts or whatever. Um, so hopefully that happens sooner rather than later, but honestly, not enough. You got to pay these kids. Got to pay these kids. Okay. Facts, um, facts. Second up for me this week is the Jonathan Means no-hitter. Uh, we haven't mentioned it yet. There's been a bunch of no-hitters already this year, Alex. Wade Miley also threw a no-hitter. I did not catch that one. I caught the, the last few innings of the Jonathan Means no-hitter. Um, he was dealing. He was absolutely dealing. He obviously lost his perfect game on the uh, drop third strike. And maybe we can use this opportunity to talk briefly about the drop third strike rule. My, the drop third strike rule is my second up for what it's worth. So you oh, know, really? let's go. Okay, let's get into it. You want to know um, what's a good rule? The drop third strike. Okay. Now that you've kind of opened the can of worms. Opened the can of worms. I agree. If you want it to be an out, you have to catch it. That's how uh, it is in can, the field. Can for first everybody baseman else. drop the ball on the, <laughs> on ground balls? You know, like can center fielders drop a fly ball? No. So catch the ball if you're the catcher. 
I mean, it yeah, seems it's silly. in your job title. Come on, man. It's, <laughs> it seems silly when you think about a guy losing a perfect game on this rule, but like it would seem equally as silly if he lost a perfect game because like he slipped on the way to cover the base. Like it, baseball is a silly game. Okay. This is the rule and it always has been. I'm fine with keeping the drop third strike rule, but you know, up this week because Jonathan means is absolutely dealing and his changeup is really, really something to, it's really, really something to see when he has it working. He, I mean, he had 26 of 27 first pitch strikes of the batters that he faced in this game because even though it was not a perfect game, he did only face 27 batters because the very next play, the catcher threw out a runner trying to steal. Um, so it was an amazing performance. I do want to take this opportunity to say that, that this is a little bit of a gray area in terms of my up versus down this week because we, we just have way too many no-hitters. We're like diluting how interesting they are and it every single time it happens, we have to... Uh, we have to have this like hand wringing, drawn out conversation about what this means for wh- whether they should move the mound back. And I'm like, if you have to have this conversation every single time a cool event happens, you probably know the answer already. Yes, exactly. I mean, if if you needed any evidence to uh, to aid the argument that maybe we should do something about pitching in this game, this is this is kind of it. F- three, four. Four no hitters. I, you know, your mileage may vary on on Madison Bumgarner's, but like, point being he, that he we would have, be five. I think he would be the fifth. Musgrove, Rodon, Miley, and Means. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is the most no hitters through May seventh since nineteen seventeen. Yeah, that's <laughs> shout that's out to ridiculous. Sarah Langs for that I, stat. I mean, that was my, the dead ball era, brother. Come on, like, what are we doing? Manaya like had a perfect game going into like the fifth the other day. I mean, guys, pitchers, I it's awesome. Let me let me just say, I think it's awesome that pitchers are so good. If you like pitching, boy, there is not a better time in baseball to uh to to be watching this sport. But if you like uh I don't know, competition on the other side of the ball, man, it might be time to uh to shut shut things down until we can figure out what's going on. Uh, okay, I think that we're up to your second up. Well, my second up was a drop third strike, but I will okay, just uh, I'll reiterate again. Would be a massive can of worms if uh, if we were just like, yeah, we don't need a drop third strike. Catchers don't have to catch the ball anymore. Why would catchers ever catch it? So what you're saying is the slippery slope. It could, well, you know, hate to say it. Why it almost defeats the purpose of a catcher, you know? If catchers just don't need to catch it anymore. I agree. I will refrain from talking about the DH. Okay. That's right, you will. My my third up this week is um Jared Kellenick came out and hit two home runs in his first minor league game uh at Triple A. And I just think it's funny, you know, that he had this entire blow up this offseason with the Mariners organization and um the Mariners embarrassed themselves in the way that they talked about Kellenic and Julio Rodriguez. And Kellenic feels like he should have been called up to start the season. He should have made the team straight out of spring training. And he's fucking right. And he comes out in his first minor league game and he hits two home runs. I just think that's, I, that's an up for me. Anytime you can stick it to an organization who is manipulating your service time, it's an up for me. 
Maybe he needs to work on his defense, though. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, probably does. Gonna you know, defense wins baseball games, um, especially when it is Seattle Mariners and you have no offense. He just uh, doesn't. I maybe he's just not mature enough. Right. Yeah. I think you know. I he has to pay his dues. Don't you get that? Oh yeah. Not like his union dues, though, because they're not allowed to have a Because they're not manners. unionized, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, DePoto came out, Jerry DePoto, Mariners GM, came out the other day and said, yeah, you know, we're taking a look at him. He's definitely getting close. We're um, taking a look at him. Yeah. I hope so. He's your top prospect. <laughs> what else would you be doing with him? Oh, boy. Yeah, wait, things are good. Wait, who? Wait, Kelimic? <laughs> Yeah, have you heard of this guy? You mean to tell to me that good. we have the top outfield prospect in baseball? The top two outfield prospects? <laughs> like two of the top, yeah, insane. Mariners have a Whoa. wealth of, wealth of uh, talent over there. And Just give me a second. I got to get on that, it. man. Maybe we should call him up. I love all the people when we when we tweeted about that. All the people being like, we're going to ruin his development just to prove a point. Gonna call him up too early just to prove a point. I'm like, yeah, yeah. we fucking will. I'll ruin de- a player's development to prove a point to owners. I'll do it. Personally. There is nothing that can. Uh, Jared Kellenick of all people. There is nothing that can ruin this guy's confidence. This dude thinks that he is already Barry Bonds. Like you're just not paying attention if you think that calling him up to the major league level is going to stunt his development. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, nothing more. Nothing more to say on that. Your final up. My final up. Um. It was MLB great Willie Mays' birthday. 90th birthday this past week. Huge shout out to him. Obviously paved the way for for so many uh other legends. One of the one of the just all-time good good dudes in baseball. And one Nancy Pelosi also saw it fit to uh to wish him a nice little little happy birthday action. Oh my god. Which was Na- really Nancy Pelosi hour of the podcast? It is the Nancy Pelosi. You know, we started with Kevin McCarthy and we're ending with ending with Nancy. I'm uh, not sure what she, I, I I'm not sure what I hate more. <laughs> uh, she wished him a, a a really nice happy birthday message on Twitter and uh to go along with it, tweeted out a picture of her with Willie Mays. Uh unfortunately it wasn't actually Willie Mays. It was uh, Giants legend Willie McCovey. It's almost too predictable. I was like, wait. <laughs> uh, uh, another Giants legend. Uh, however, not Ooh. not the correct one. Ooh. Unfortunately. No, Nancy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nancy, who wow. I'm sure was the person to hit send on the street. It definitely wasn't an intern or anything like that. That's tough. Really, really tough. Like I thought you were gonna say like she said something. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say that she said something in the tweet that was like so proud of you for breaking the color barrier. (laughs) (laughs) That would (laughs) not surprise me at all. It wouldn't have surprised me at all. Nancy Pelosi, what the fuck are you doing? This is the level of divorce from reality that these people are. I know. Come on, man. Do you think Nancy Pelosi has watched a baseball game this year? Like a. You think she like. Or even part of one, you know, like, does she have any awareness of what's going on in baseball right now? Do you think? Like, does she have a strong take about Mauricio Dubon? (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. I don't think so. Thought, do you think she has thoughts on the the Taylor Swift uh, Giants even your bullshit? Is she a Giants fan? Is uh, ostensibly, I mean, she's not at no. Politicians aren't fans of teams in reality. Right, exactly. She's a she's a San Francisco representative. Does that count? Yeah, but then that that means she could be an A's fan too, right? 
no. She's like, so she looks at the age, she's like, all these fans are poor. <laughs> There's not enough classism in this franchise for me. Absolutely. The ace of the people's team, man. Don't let Nancy have them. So true. So don't, true. Don't ever let me catch Nancy tweeting a picture with Ricky Henderson. No, thank you. Goodbye. Well, well, she'd probably end up tweeting a picture of like Vita Blue anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that'll do it for this week's episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you haven't gotten yourself a unionized the miners or a steel bases, not wages shirt. Tiny.cc slash nationalize listeners of the podcast 15% off with the code arod i feel i feel like we're real podcastos now like shouting out real coupon codes that people can use on our merch yeah exactly i don't know we've we've made it right we've peaked well, i mean we haven't read an ad from neon tees yet mm, yeah that's true. that's true. simply simply say squarespace we don't support squarespace we're wordpress guys that's so true WordPress. No free ads, but come sponsor the podcast. <laughs> As always, if you want to call in, leave us a voicemail for open season about owners or anything else, hit our line 785-422-5881. That is it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!